the offering is uh, going around, I'd like to ask you a question. Has it ever, do you ever think very much about how common angels are at Christmas time? They're basically um, everywhere. Christmas carols. Many of our Christmas carols mention angels. There's angels from the realms of glory, angels we have heard on high. Hark the herald angels sing. And many of the other carols, not in the title, but in the words, mention angels. Think of movies. Perhaps the most famous Christmas movie in America, It's a Wonderful Life, goes back to 1946. And of course, the featured character in the movie is an angel, a bumbling apprentice angel named Clarence. And perhaps you remember that very, very famous line of Zuzu. Look, Daddy, teacher says, Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his. Oh, I knew you'd know it. Christmas cards. Christmas cards of all kinds uh, have, have angels on them. They're, it's a very, very common picture. Our Christmas trees, I suspect most of us on our Christmas trees have angels somewhere there. And uh, angels um, are uh, they're pictures. I went online and uh, there are, I'm sure there are millions of them. I just picked out some. These, of course, we have many, many, many um, uh, pictures of angels that are, are depicted as children. Um, unfortunately, there's not a single incident that I'm aware of in the Bible where an angel is a child. I don't think that ever happens, but they look cute. Um, <laughs> some look even cuter. Um, this, uh, these are really cute angels. And uh, the, the strange part about this picture, however, is that um, Angels almost universally in the Bible scare people to death. <laughs> almost always. And I, I'm not quite scared when I see that pretty picture right there. I mean, that doesn't scare me one bit. I don't think I'd be afraid of either one of those. But almost every time an angel appears in the Bible, people are scared. And generally speaking, the first words out of an angel's mouth as recorded in Scripture are, don't be afraid, which is a little bit different than our pictures, of course. Almost every picture, in fact, I could hardly find any pictures on the internet. The first hundreds of them, every single picture has wings. Um, there is no evidence in the Bible that angels have wings. There's two passages in the Bible that speak about angels flying, but not necessarily having wings. There are the, 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 uh, the, the seraphs and the there are other creatures around the presence of God, but we're not certain that those are angels at all. There's really not evidence in the Bible that angels have wings at all. But we always depict them as having wings. And of course, I could hardly find a male and angel anywhere as I looked on the internet. They're all female. But interestingly, in the Bible, um, angels are always, always referred to in the masculine though they're probably genderless, but they're always referred to in the masculine, not the feminine. Now, I can guess why that is, because men are more like demons than angels, I'm afraid. <laughs> and these days in America, oh, good gracious, are we bad. And so I can see why you'd want to pick women as angels, because they're a whole lot better than us as men, but it's not what you find in the Bible. And then, of course, you've got these beautiful little cherubs and um, an interesting uh, notion that most people have today is, especially with children, is when a child passes away, 
there's this idea that you turn into an angel. The child turns into an angel. And so these two little children sprouted some wings and they're up in the celestial realms enjoying the presence of God. There's a problem with that. There's a big problem. The problem is for a human being to turn into an angel is a demotion, not a promotion. We are higher than the angels. We are the apple of God's eye. We're the highest of creation. So for a person to turn into an angel is actually going down, not up. We're, we go up. So this isn't one, but of course, sometimes we, of course, have to. <laughs> and, and angels are depicted as a fun fiction. You know, we have cartoon characters, I guess Bert and Ernie have turned into angels as well. I mean, uh, angels are everywhere. And uh, I just begin, you know, the TV shows and all kinds of ways. We like angels. They're very, very, um, uh, very they're so fascinating for us. Well, the Bible speaks about angels. And one of the times in the, in the Holy Scriptures where angels are most prominent is during the time of the birth of Jesus. Actually, there are seven occasions in the extended story of the birth of Jesus, but that I mean by the time of before his birth to the time just after the wise men's time, there are seven appearances of angels. Now, um, what is an angel, you might want to ask. An angel is a supernatural being not human, they're supernatural, uh, created by God, they are not eternal. They are supernatural beings who we don't know exactly, but it seems at some point in, in ancient, ancient times, eternity past, angels had a decision to make. They had volition. And some of the angels chose to follow the angel of light, Lucifer, and the majority of the angels chose to follow the living God. At that point, they were locked into their decision. They cannot change. And so angels today, uh, the good ones, are God's messengers. Their primary work is to, to carry out God's will here in this world. And this is, um, uh, of course, this is taken from the Christmas hit carol, Angels We Have Heard on High. But the Bible says that angels, this is the book of Hebrews, are ministering spirits sent by God to serve those who inherit salvation. So they have a very important function in the Bible, and we're going to see them very prominently in the Christmas story. Now today, of course, is the second candle, the angel's candle, and that's why we're going to focus on angels today. So of course, the main texts are going to be chapter 1 of Matthew and chapter 2, 1 and 2 of the book of Luke. So if you have Bibles, we're going to go back and forth from those passages of scriptures. Now, um, the first appearance of an angel in the Christmas story actually happens when Gabriel, he gives his name, appears to Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, are, pre are, are from the priestly line, both of them which means, of course, that John the Baptist is of the tribe of Levi. He has a priestly background. Zechariah, his father, was just a, I'm just going to call it a run-of-the-mill priest. He wasn't a special priest. He probably wasn't one of the, the Sadducees. He's certainly not among the high priestly family. He's one of the regular priests that ministered in the temple every day. That was their job. 
One of the most important jobs given to any priest was to keep the incense burning in front of the Holy of Holies because the incense represented to the Jewish people the prayers of God's people. And right behind this veil was the Ark of the Covenant, probably the most holy place that any priest could ever put their feet is in that spot. There's only one place holier, and that was only for the high priest one day a, week, a year when he went into the Holy of Holies. So how would you pass out this important job of putting the incense into the, the fire that burned before the Holy of Holies? Well, the way they did it is by lot. They threw dice or something like that. And on this particular day, Zechariah's name came up. Now, I read some about this. It would be very common for a priest at back at that time never to have had this privilege, ever. So now here we find Zechariah, the priest, in the holy place, probably by himself, putting the incense onto the altar right within a foot or so of the Holy of Holies. And an angel shows up. And it's not just an angel. It's the highest of them, Gabriel. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Again, it's not children with little cherubs. This is some being that's just scary. Not because it looks weird, but just because it looks powerful. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. What prayer? Well, his prayer was that he and his wife, Elizabeth, would have a child because they were childless and they were getting up in years. That story has been told a number of times in the Bible with Abraham and Sarah and others. So he had been praying that God would grant them a child. And now the angel, who is primarily a messenger from God, says, Zechariah, God did hear your prayer. And your wife is going to bear a son. And you're to give him the name John. Wow. That's uh, quite, a, quite a thing. Now that's, that's incredibly good news. But there's more. Then the angel goes on again. Remember, he's a messenger from God and says this. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So not only are they going to have a child, but this child is going to be an incredibly important child. Because the one who goes in the spirit and the power of Elijah, that was the last prophet that, that Israel had ever seen. 400 years earlier, the prophet Malachi predicted that one day God would raise up someone like Elijah. And now the angel comes to Zechariah and says, that passage of scripture which you've known since you were a child is coming true. And the one who's going to bring it about is your own son. And what is his job? His job is to get people ready for the coming of the Messiah. Wow, that's, that's quite a, that's quite a, uh, a message. Now, if you were Zechariah, you'd probably do what uh, 
we'd all do what he did. He said, uh, <laughs> we got a problem. We're old. My wife can't have children. We, we can't, it, it won't work. Now the angel gave us a little tick about that one. He says, uh, you know, I come from God and God's got lots of power. God does a lot of interesting stuff. And you didn't believe me, which means you didn't believe God. It's still gonna happen, Zechariah, but until the day it happens, you're gonna be absolutely silent. You're gonna be mute. That's my, that's God's discipline, and that's God's privilege. Because what do you think he's gonna be doing for the next months, nine of them, as he, um, as he contemplates this, he's going to spend a lot of time thinking and a very little time talking, which would be pretty good for us to do as well. Um, the angel's message to, to, to Zechariah is this. First of all, don't be afraid. Second, your prayers have been heard. Third, you will have a son. Fourth, that son will be used by God to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. And five, you'll be mute until it happens. That's the message. Now, so what? Well, God sent that angel to Zechariah, not to us. But what if God sent a messenger to us at our Christmas time as we anticipate the coming of the Messiah? What might the messenger say to us? What might Gabriel say to us? Maybe I'll make a guess. First thing you might not say is, don't be afraid. Now, I don't suppose, I, I think we're probably more afraid of buying the wrong gift at Christmas than we are of, afraid of an angel. We're, we're, we're full of fears at Christmas. We're afraid that we won't get everything done, that we won't decorate the house just right, that the food won't be just right, that the family gathering will in fact be civil, and we're afraid of all kinds of things. And maybe the first thing that God's angel would say is, don't be afraid. You're worrying about the wrong stuff. Don't be afraid. And then maybe he's saying, um, you know, you're, you're spending this season getting ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus, running around like chickens with your heads cut off. Now, maybe God would do us a favor by making us mute. Why? So that perhaps we could take a little time to think. Maybe we need some quiet. What God did is he forced quiet on Zechariah. Maybe we need some time to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Messiah. Maybe we need to shift our Christmas priorities. In the, in the Christmas carol, we often sing joy to the world. It's got that line. Let every heart prepare him room. Do we ever do anything to prepare for Christ to take up residence in our hearts? That's why John the Baptist came. His job was to prepare people so their hearts were ready for the Messiah. And God said to Zechariah, I'm going to prepare your heart and you're going to be forced into silence. And then once that silence is broken, 
Zechariah gives us one of the greatest praises in the Bible. That's the first angelic appearance. Well, the second one is the best known of all by far. It's called the Annunciation. And uh, it's the subject of countless paintings by the most famous artists in the history of the world. The same angel who went to Zechariah now appears to Mary, Gabriel, and tells Mary that she is the one that God has chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. You know these words. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now the main word you're going to see in the message from the angel to Mary is the word favor. And you should know the word favor because favor is the number one word in Christianity. The number one word I would submit to you in Christianity is the word grace. And grace means God's unmerited favor. That's what grace means. And here in the centerpiece of the most important angelic appearance is the word, you have found favor with God. You're highly favored by God. Now, if an angel appeared to you and said, hey, the Lord's with you. You have found favor with God. You go, are you kidding? Or you go, yeah, you got the right one, baby. You know, <laughs> of course. What took you so long? Should have been here a while ago. Now, I mean, only very arrogant people. We'd be, we'd be stunned. I mean, honestly, wouldn't you? To ever have a true messenger from God to say to you, you know, God favors you. Well, how did Mary respond? She's troubled. She's troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, which tells you a lot about her character. She's the right one. In fact, she's the right one. Because she says, what in the world are you talking about? You got the wrong address. You got the wrong town. But the angel said to her, Again, here we go, our words. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will be with a child, and you will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus. Wow. Now, that's a pretty surprising communication from God. It's surprising, first of all, because Mary has been chosen by God, and she doesn't she can't believe it. After all, Mary is a peasant. Mary is in the backwater town. I, I, the other day I looked up and it's about the size of Story. Can you imagine? In all the towns of America, you pick Story as, as the place, the birth of the Messiah. Come on. It's a wide spot in the road. It's not in the sophisticated south. It's not where all the, 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 the muckety-mucks are. It's not where all the theological scholars are. It's where the Gentiles live. After all, Galilee of the Gentiles, it's the backwater. It's like Mississippi in the United States. <laughs> but that's where the Messiah comes from because that's the way God does things. She's a peasant girl, and now she's got a big problem. How's this going to happen? And of course, she would have thought the way it's going to happen is she's going to get married. After all, she's already engaged. 
She's just going to follow the normal route. She's going to get married to Joseph, and they're going to have a nice little life together, and they're going to have a son, and it's kind of ticks her off probably a little bit that God names her son rather than her getting to name him, but that's okay. After all, a lot of us pray about the naming of our children as well. Hey, God, help me. We don't know what to call this kid. And so God does help us. But now it's gonna, the plot's going to thicken because now the angel's going to say, um, Joseph's not going to be the, the father. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Well, who is? God. Come on. That's a big problem. God? Yeah, the, the, the angel says the, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And so the child that you have is going to be a human child, but its father is not going to be Joseph. Whoa. Now what would you do if an angel said that to you? Man, you got to be nuts to accept that one. But what did she say? I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Wow. Oh, God picked the right one. He got the right one, baby, when he got Mary. Why? Well, after um, she... After this date, she's going to have one of the greatest songs of Christmas. It's not away in the major or silent night. The greatest song of Christmas is actually the Magnificat, Mary's song. And she's now going to praise God and say, why would you ever pick someone so humble as me to be given, the, to be the mother of the Messiah? And she praises God. Well, God picked the right one. And her response is, I'll do it. Why? Why did God pick her? Did she have a better resume? Was she a more godly person? We don't know that. What we do know is that she was willing to trust God and to obey Him. And it was not an easy life. It was difficult. Could you imagine raising God? You, you want to do that, parents? He's always right. You're wrong. Every time. <laughs> Try raising God. You want to be His sibling? Wouldn't that be fun? Goody two-shoes. I mean, Casper, Melt Toast. I mean, you, all the names you'd give to him, that'd be a terrible thing. Who does God choose? Well, God chooses the kind of people that oftentimes don't expect it at all. She, this, someone wrote this. Mary brings nothing on her resume other than her availability and her willingness to serve God promises to be with her on the journey, and she responds by being willing to go on the ride. God loves those who are humble in spirit. Spiritual greatness is not a matter of social class, monetary clout, or degreed background. It is a function of the heart. Now, what if an angel came to us today? What might he say? One of the things I hope he would say to us is, grace be on you. God favors you. You see, one of the greatest messages of Christmas is that, that God, God's grace has been given to us. Now, to whom does God give his grace? Well, the Bible tells us who. The Bible says that, that God is going to give his grace to a particular group of people, and the person who's going to tell us this is one of the Bible's worst sinners. His name is David. 
He's just committed adultery and murder. He's undergone an incredible governmental cover-up operation. And then he's exposed by the prophet Nathan, and he writes the 51st Psalm, and he tells us who are the people God favors. And here they are. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. Many, many indications in the Bible that God gives his favor to those who know they don't deserve it. And the key thing that will keep us from God's favor is arrogance, ego, self-righteousness, pride, and all the synonyms that uh, are around that complex of words. So now the angel appears to Mary. Well, the third appearance is the appearance to Joseph. Now this one's a little different because an angel appears to Joseph now, not in person, but in a dream. This is what the Bible says. Um, after he had considered this, and by considered this, the Bible talks about the fact that, that Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant. He knew he wasn't the father. He guessed that it was somebody else, but he's a good man. And so what he decided to do is he was going to secretly sign the divorce papers. Back then, if you were engaged, that was legally binding. He was going to secretly sign the divorce papers, but not make it a legal matter, in which case she would have been horribly treated. He's a good man. So that was his decision. He was going to go out and find another wife. That night, he has a dream. And here's what happened. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, here we go again. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I mean, that's a big, big stretch. I mean, can you imagine? Now remember, this is not any angelic appearance. This is a dream. Maybe this is wishful thinking or something, but this is so weird you can't even wish this one. And here now, the angel says in a dream, Joseph, take her. God's up to something. So what does he do? He does it. <laughs> he, he takes her. One of the most consistent things about God is that he so often does things upside down and backwards. And if you are a Christian and you are not accustomed to the way that God often does things contrary to the way that we do things, you aren't very far in the Christian life. What does God do? Well, he says he brings blessing out of poverty and woe out of riches. He tells us he brings happiness out of sadness and power from crucifixion. He brings life out of death. He brings strength from weakness. He brings victory out of failure. He brings hope from defeat and wisdom from foolishness. That's God's way, and that's only the start. And now God asks Joseph to make this major, major step through an angelic message. Someone wrote this. When man reaches for God, it's called religion. When God reaches for man, that's called Christmas. There's, there's the reversal. 
See, Christmas is all about the reversal of the ways of man that God does. We think that the goal of a human being is to work your way to God, and God says, no. The way I've put things together is that I'm going to work my way to you because I love you, and you can't work your way to me at all. Now, what might God say to us this Christmas? Maybe he would say, if he sent an angelic messenger, he'd say, now remember, Christmas for us as Christians is a bit upside down from our culture. It's, it's not about the stuff. It's about the baby. It's about the person. Maybe what we ought to do is, instead of giving money, maybe we ought to give time. And maybe, maybe a good thing to do this Christmas would to be take a break from technology, God forbid, in order to focus on the true meaning of Christmas. And maybe we should focus on the joys instead of the toys. Or maybe we should invite some people into our home that otherwise would not have an opportunity to be with other people. Upside down ways. It's not all about us. It's about Jesus. Well, the next angelic appearance is one that you probably know very well. It's the angelic appearance to um, uh, the shepherds. But this one, it tells us there's a single angel that comes to the shepherds. Here's the, the words you're so familiar with. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. There we go again. What's the angel going to say? Ah, oh, you got it. Do not be afraid. Why? I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You will find, a, a, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now that's good news. What's the result? Great joy. What's the extent? All people. What's the timing? Today. What's the news? A Savior has been born. What's the identity of the Savior? He's Christ, the Lord. What's the sign? You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a cattle trough. And what's the target? You. These are shepherds. Shepherds are it's among the lowliest of all the jobs in all of Israel. Shepherds were considered so unreliable, they couldn't give testimony in court. And God, remember, upside down. He could go to some lawyers and say, pick a bunch of lawyers and say, hey, lawyers, there's a baby been born. Or maybe to some theological, maybe some pastors. He doesn't pick that. He goes to the, lo the lowest, some of the lowest people in this culture and says, yeah, you're going to be the ones I'm going to tell about this. God has a way of doing that. The greatest message the world has ever had was given to a woman, Mary Magdalene. She's the first witness of the resurrection. And the first witness of the birth of Jesus Christ were shepherds. Oh, God's up to something. He's going to surprise us. He's going to turn our value judgments upside down. And that's what he does here. And once again, the angels say, do not be afraid. Um, why? Well, I bring you good news. But then, the, the, the one angel that you see depicted here, here again, I couldn't find any pictures without the wings, so I put them in here. There are the wings. Then um, someone uh, wrote this. Christianity is not about good people getting better. If anything, 
It is good news for bad people coping with their failure to be good. The heart of the Christian faith is good news, not good advice, good technique, or good behavior. Too many people have walked away from the church not because they're walking away from Jesus, but because the church has walked away from Jesus. That's our problem. We're the ones walking away from Jesus and turning people off. It's not, we're not in the business of making good people. God doesn't try to make bad people good and good people better. God's in the business of making dead people alive. That's who we are. And that's good news. Well, now the worship service starts. Now this one angel turns into a multitude, maybe hundreds of thousands of angels. Can you imagine? A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his, there's our word again, on whom his grace rests. And so Christianity is all about God's unmerited favor. And now you've got a great, huge host of angels filling the night sky. Can you imagine You'd be scared spitless. What would, I mean, you, what would you do? Well, they did the right thing. What did they do? They said, let's go find out. Where is this baby? And then they, of course, saw. Well, the, the story's not over. Because now Joseph, the last two appearances of angels, are both going to come to Joseph, and they're both going to come in dreams. The first one is Joseph now and Jesus is born and Mary is there and the whole situation with the wise men takes place and an angel appears to Joseph. When they had gone, that's the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Now Joseph must have had a pretty active dream life. <laughs> and he's a very, very godly soul. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So, what does he do? He gets up and he goes. Now, by the way, what if uh, one of the purposes of the angels in the scripture is to give warnings? And God gives us warnings all the time. Have you been warned? Parents, teachers, coaches, peers, pastors... Some of us may even have been warned by angels. We don't even know it. We're warned by our conscience. We're warned by close calls. We're warned by parents and preachers and teachers. We're warned by friends. We're sometimes warned by strangers. We're warned by circumstances and consequences. We're warned by letters and fetters, sometimes going to prison. We're warned by, sometimes maybe by angels in our dreams. But the real issue is, do we heed the warnings that God gives to us. There are all kinds of warnings we could issue at Christmas time. Ways that we're going to go off the deep end and make a mess of this wonderful holiday. Do we heed the warnings? Well, the last one is the last dream. This is now Jesus and Mary and Joseph are in Egypt and Herod's dead. This is roughly 4 BC. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. The previous one was, warning, run. This one is, ah, all safe, go home. Here the angel again gives both messages to them. Now Joseph asleep, and there you see Mary and, and the baby. 
And the angel says to Joseph in, a, in, in his dream, all's well, you go home. So there's the, the angelic messages. And um, maybe one of those would fit you this Christmas season. Maybe you need to get ready. Maybe you need to take a break from all the clutter and all the noise and just ponder. Maybe you need to be someone who recognizes that Christmas is all about God's favor. And if you don't understand God's favor, Christmas time would be the best time that you could come to understand God's grace. And if we're the recipients of God's grace, we should bathe in it because it's pretty beautiful. What did, how did Joseph respond? Simple trust. When God asked him to do something that was way out of the box, he said, I'll do it. And the essence of the, of the Christmas message was the message that a Savior has been born to you. That's good news. Join the chorus. One of the things I would love for you to do this Christmas season is fill your life with music. We're blessed to have so much good music. So much worship that can take place at this time of, of the year. And then when the warnings come, we heed them. And then we recognize when God says, all's well. One of the verses we find in the Holy Scriptures in he, the book of Hebrews, it, it goes something like this. It says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Because some of you have entertained angels and you don't even know it. Maybe the greatest thing we could do from this message of the angels is to make sure that during this season of the, the, the year, as Christians, we show kindness to strangers. Because you don't know. One of them could be Gabriel. Let's pray. That be something, Heavenly Father. I'd be very surprised if someone in this body has not entertained an angel and they don't even know it. What a privilege to think that that could happen to us. Thank you for your love for us as human beings that you would send your angelic messengers to help us in so many ways. And now as you send them to us today, maybe real angels, maybe dreams, but certainly through your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, that like these marvelous people in the Christmas story, we would take you seriously and respond to your goodness and your grace. So we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.